So we are here, 8th of April, night. Officially the Passover has begun. It's Passover tonight. And uh, we look to the Lord because thousands of years ago, it was a time and a night like this, God began the deliverance of his people from Egypt. And if you look at it, by the time God delivered his people and the people came out, the economy of Egypt was completely destroyed. If you look at Lot and his family getting out after they got out, the economy or it was completely destroyed, Sodom and Gomorrah. And everybody is talking about a similar situation by the time this plague is over the economy of the world would be absolutely, completely like down. Beyond the 30s depression is what they are talking about. (coughs) So we as a people, God's people, I believe it's time we had an element of fear coming in. And I'm not talking about the carnal fear, but a genuine fear of God as to what he really is doing. Okay, what he really is doing. Because everybody says pray, but pray for what is the question. Yes, he said, if my people pray, I will heal the land. But there is this last clause over there, four clauses and the final clause is, if my people turn away from their wicked ways. And like Pastor Vijay was talking about, if you look at any of the major, major, denominations or pastors who reach to millions, you will not hear any one of them speaking about it, almost as if they are afraid to speak. And if you think the world has become better than the days of Jesus or any days, we are mistaken. So why are people afraid to say that? And without saying that, how is there going to be a solution from God? Okay, so... We look at all this and I'm really telling the church, we have to ask, like Jesus delighted in the fear of the Lord, we have to ask and receive that from the Holy Spirit, that that awe, that fear, reverence, because the Bible says in Hebrews, when the shaking comes, because we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, so we have to worship God with that reverence, with that awe, because it's an all-consuming fire. So even as we hear these this messages through these days, even here nobody knows when the lockdown is going to end. It may go on and on and on. And God may must, might just see, see that the supply is just bare enough, comes in. But as time goes by, okay, now they are talking about the economic growth going down to one person. <laughs> Again, we are talking about India with a population four times U.S. population, okay, with a GDP less than California's. So we are looking at terrible, terrible times ahead if God doesn't intervene. Nobody knows. Nobody seems. Nobody has a clue what God is. Other than that, the only thing I know that He wants His people to turn back to Him. That is always. Every time you see the Bible, it's called with God's intention behind every redemptive judgment 
return back to me. So Father, this evening we come to you and we pray, Lord, we turn our hearts back, O oh Lord. We just surrender ourselves. Cause us to turn back, Lord. All we can do is, Spirit of God, we surrender. Let there be genuine, genuine repentance in all our lives. It involves turning to you, turning away from things that hurt you, that offend you. Even the little, little things, O oh Lord, which are hidden from our own eyes, Spirit of God, I pray as we go through the word, show us, deliver us from it, Lord. We, we just, it's not enough that we see it and we confess it. We need to be delivered, Lord. Yes, the angel of death passed over them on that Passover night. But they needed also to get out. They needed to be delivered from the powers of darkness. They had to go to the Red Sea and all that powers. And then they had to be delivered in their minds, which they couldn't. We need deliverance, Lord, from this world. So, Father, we just surrender ourselves once again for the hearing of your word. Help us to keep our eyes and our ears focused on you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Remember, Passover night. We're not looking at Passover, but we are looking at God's deliverance. So that we study the word of God and we allow the word of God and the spirit of God to minister to us. So that he can go into those areas in our life where we still need deliverance. That 11-day journey or a 13-day journey does not become a 40-year trip like the first generation. should have been 13 days and they should have been, I mean, less than, less than 3 or 4 months max. So we started last night with Joseph. We saw him unfairly treated, sold as a slave, but we also see him in Egypt. He straight away went to work. And this is where, honestly, so many of us truly fail. Instead of getting to work, we wail and cry about our situation, our miseries and never actually trust God in our situations. Like even now, so many people are wailing, crying, the unfairness of it all, but not able to truly trust God in our situations. We had seen that when his father had sent him in search of his brothers, he had gone beyond the instructions to the intention. He traced them all the way to Dothan and found them. This is what Jesus says, Second Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 6. This is what he says. <clears throat> we are ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. If you only go to Sishem, you will die. But if you go to Dothan, you will live. That's where your destiny lies. And honestly, a lot of us, we live by the letter of the law. And wonder why we miss God in our lives. Because God's appointed place is Dothan. You know, we have to love God because we have an entire spectrum in our life, it touches so many areas, so many people in our life. And with all those people to whom we are actually on a regular basis related, 
Do we deal by the letter of the life or do we go to the spirit of life? Okay, letter of the law, sorry, kills. And Joseph went to the spirit, what his father actually intended, and there was God's destiny planned for him. In the same attitude, at Potiphar's wife, oh, sorry, uh, house, no, Potiphar's house, you will see he went to work with the same attitude. Okay, he's not looking who his employer is. He's looking much far above. God is at work in my life. And if God is at work in my life, then I need to work as unto God. He's not even, I mean, he's a young kid. Okay, later he will understand the whole thing. But he's still, if you look at Deuteronomy, sorry, Genesis chapter 45 and verse 5, much later, how many, 20 years, 22 years later, this is what he tells them. Now, do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourself because you sold me here. For God sent me. Okay? His perspective is very clear. God sent me before you to preserve life. If you have this knowledge that God has put me in this particular situation, like we have to believe, everybody is in the same situation. Okay? All the slaves in Potiphar's house are in the same situation. But Joseph believes he is not. He believes he's been put in that situation to preserve life. Okay, not to die, but to live, to preserve life. And that's how we have to look in this situation. Everybody is locked up in the same situation. But why are we here? And we believe if God has prepared us for a time and a season like this, a season like this, then he has sent us here and put us in this lockdown to preserve life. Okay, like I said, no, you do not... Fast and pray, you have to, when trouble hits you, you should fast and pray before that, so you know when it comes, what to do. That's why we are not really fasting, we've been fasting all these years. Now we know exactly what we are called to do at a time and hour like this, is stand there, and stand there in the hour of death, plague spreading, and feed God's people, all those who are interested, feed them. And our, our, we listen carefully and allow ourselves to be used of God. Okay, so a surrendered life will see the hand of God even in the darkest moments. Everything working or YouTube is gone? Okay, YouTube is gone, Facebook and radio is working. Okay. Audio is working on YouTube, okay. Yeah, so we are back to the old good days when it was only audio. It's not so much like God is looking at as what we do. Please remember, it is how we do it. A lot of stuff what we do really do not matter so much. Okay, but how we do it matters to God. Okay, and we need to realize so many ungodly masters have been blessed by the presence of a righteous man in their midst. Some of them knew, many of them did not. Okay? It was only after it's the thunder and the lightning and the rain started, people appreciated Noah and his work, but it was too late. When he was actually with them and preaching to them, nobody appreciated him. But when the door was shut and the judgment came, everybody appreciated him, but it was too late. 
It was only when they saw the fire and the brimstone, Lot's city appreciated that man and his warnings. But it was too late. Okay. It was only when one day he looked in the mirror and he saw leprosy breaking out on his body, he noticed that there was a little Hebrew servant girl in his house and she alone had the words that would preserve life. Till then I don't think he even bothered about this girl. It was this girl, one of the captives, many which I have brought. Gave it to his wife and said, okay, take care of her, let her serve you. The world does not realize the hand of God is stayed over the world by judgment only because of the presence of the church still here. One day, God will say, enough. You're tired of my people? I'll take them out of the way. If you think they are the problem, I'll take them out of the way. And then you will see what happens when the church is gone. Okay, so please... Remember, so wherever you are and whatever we are doing, please see the beauty of service. We are serving God. We are serving God. So that's Joseph in Potiphar's court. Then comes temptation. Let's go to Genesis chapter 39 and verse 6 and 7. Temptation comes. Now, if you look at verse 6, the last portion. Now, Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. He can't help it. Okay, he can't help it. He's, he's, he's a handsome young man. Good looking young man. Handsome young man. And verse 7 says, It came to pass, after these things, his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph. The first sin in the Bible comes through the eye. The lust of the eyes. In Genesis chapter 3 and verse 6, the eye gate is what begins it all. When the woman saw the tree was good for food, okay, stomach, and was pleasant to the eyes. She had heard, she hadn't tasted it, she had heard it is good for food, but she looked at it and she looked, okay, when she heard, it looked even more good looking, pretty in her eyes. So it begins with that. Okay, please remember, it is the eye gate. Be very careful what we hear and what we see. In Genesis 13 and verse 10, Lot's downfall would begin the day when he was given a choice and he made a decision with his eyes. And Lot lifted his eyes and saw all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt as you go toward Zoar. Okay. That's where it all began. His one look. And years later, his wife will look back and die. Akano destroy himself and his entire household, perpetuity. And it all began with a look. In Joshua chapter 7, verse 20 and 21. Scripture says, Akan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and this is what I have done. He says, When I saw, he saw, he saw, and he coveted, and he took. 
okay and so many people me we too all have heard looked and gone into times of if god hadn't been there we would have been destroyed david brought his entire kingdom down a family down with with one look not one look he kept looking in job chapter 31 and verse 1 this old righteous man youtube audio is also not working okay he says i made a covenant with my eyes why then should i look upon a young woman okay an old man living in the conscience period like joseph has made a covenant with his eyes very sensitive conscience he has we have the conscience period we have the law period and we have the grace period and we are the most blessed because we are living under grace with everything that none of them ever had we have it and job made a covenant with his eyes and because of that at the end of his testing he would say that i have seen you with my eyes because he saw his eyes and this is a privilege reserved for the saintliest of saints revelation 22 verse 3 and 4 the overcomers who will go through and allow the blood of jesus the word of god and the holy spirit to sanctify their eyes and their life and their mind there will be no more curse but the throne of god and of the lamb shall be in it and his servant shall serve him they shall see his face they shall see his face only them others will see from far but they shall see his face and his name shall be on their foreheads okay privilege of seeing how much trouble actually we can save in life if we set a watch over our eyes our ears and our lips but now this is a new trial joseph has to pass because he's passed another trial earlier okay the question is you know we have our our conscience he's also got a conscience our conscience should be sharper than his he's got a conscience but some people are not are very clever oh, we are very clever and not so conscientious very clever if you are clever you will look at this opportunity because she's coming and saying come and lie with me if you please her you will secure an advancement in life to cross her can mean the end of everything okay but to give in to her unless you know god has sent you could also mean eternal loss temporary gain eternal loss or you have to go for temporary loss and eternal gain and the temptation is not going away okay it's not going away so we have to look at it very we have looked at this long time back okay but let's go back to verse 8 she cast longing eyes on joseph and said lie with me <clears throat> the first thing it is said is that he refused joseph refused <coughs> daniel refused 
Moses refused to be known as a Pharaoh's daughter's son. These are all people in very important positions in life, difficult situations in life. They are making a life-changing decision. And all three of them by making this decision is actually looking at the face of death. And Joseph said, no, he was looking at death. When Daniel said, no, he was looking at death. And Moses said, no, he too was looking at death. Okay. Scripture says, they all refused. But how much life and world and history would have been different if Adam and Eve had refused? Right? No. Daddy is told us very clearly, no. Or even after the fall, if when that jealousy and anger was coming up in his head, Cain had refused. Instead of starting a trail of murder, refused. Oh, you have to look at it. Refusal is first in the mind. First in the mind. When these things come, you need to cut it off there. When these thoughts come, cut it at the thought level. Bring every thought to the captivity of Christ Jesus. Bring it there. And replace it. It's not enough to take it captive. It's working again. No, it's not just taking captive. But replace it. Think on things that are evil. We have to learn this. Otherwise it doesn't work. Okay, it really, really we have to. Because it, this fear is only going to increase. And we can, we have to take that thought of fear, refuse to entertain it, and replace it with thoughts of faith. You don't think this young boy was not afraid? <laughs> Slave boy, 18, 19, when he was taken, sold, and then he's going up, and then this challenge comes. Tempted and afraid, both, okay? If only David had refused after the first look, to look again. Right? Refused. So many things. Okay? So it, it, it says, first thing it says is, he refused. He refused. And said to his master's wife, Look, my master does not know what is with me in this house and has committed all that he has to my hand. Okay. My master has committed everything into my hands. Okay. The first thing he realizes is, remember, we have learned this from Jesus' parable. First thing he realizes is his call of duty. My master has committed a lot of things into my hands and one of that is not this. I know what he has committed into my hands and I know what he has not committed into my hands. I know very clearly my duty. My master, look. First he refused. Second, he knows his duty. We refuse we also need to know our duty. What we are called to do. Okay? We have to be responsible and not irresponsible. And if you go to verse 9, the next thing he says, There is no one greater in this house than I. Okay? He knows his position. 
knows his position. Very clearly he knows his position. He knows his position. The question is, do we know our position? Do we know our position? Okay. Bible says we are seated with Christ Jesus in the heavenly places. Do we know our position? Bible says in Hebrews 3.11, our heavenly calling. Do we know our position? Do we know our calling? Our position, see, when we are seated with Jesus, it's a positional place. But are we always aware of our position? Are we aware of our position and our calling? Esau despised his calling. Reuben lost his calling. Throwing away things of eternal value for things that are temporal. No? Calling is eternal. The scripture says, gifts and the calling are irrevocable. They are eternal. Desires are temporary. They are temporary. All these desires are there. God-given desires in the body. Legit and illegitimate. But they are temporary. But they are temporary. Well, the calling is eternal. What did Esau do is Esau threw away the eternal for the temporary. The hunger will pass away. The hunger can wait. You know? And that's what is happening. He refused and he knew his calling. No one is greater than me in this house. And if you go to verse 9 again, he says, Nor has he kept back anything from me but you, because you are his wife. Okay, because you are. Do we know our limits? He knew his calling. He knew the limits of his calling too. No, Roman scripture says everyone should prophesy according to your faith. According to our faith. Do we know our limits? Because all the trouble in this beautiful universe God created began with one creation called Satan not knowing his limits. And sin started. Adam and Eve also did not stick to the limit God had given them. He says, you can eat from all these trees, but this one tree, no. They didn't stick to that limit. And the Fortifer had said, Everything is under you except this one thing. And that one thing is what the devil comes to tempt you with. What is your limit? And what is outside your limit? If you know what is outside your limit, you will always know that is where the attack will come. So it's good to know our limits. As a king, David did not, even kings were limited by the law. Remember, and he went outside the limit. Solomon, of course, messed it up totally. David went in his limit only in one area. David went, Solomon went in every area where the kings were limited. You know, Robert Frost said, good walls make good neighbors. If we know and function within our limits, which God has placed, you know, we will prosper in it. Prosper in it. 
In Genesis 49 and verse 22. Genesis 49 and verse 22. This is the blessing over, over Joseph. Joseph is a fruitful bough. A fruitful bough by a well. His branches run over the wall. He stayed within his limits. And he's supplied by the word of God. And therefore he was a blessing to his generation. Entire world he was a blessing because he knew to stay within his limits. So when God sets limits for us, it is so that we will prosper in it. And people look at these limits as a hindrance. That's the devil because he looked at his limit. Like today what is he? And what was he? And what is he going to be? And he puts that same lie into our minds by saying, you know, these limits, they are not good. God is a killer. He's a joy killer. But God says, no, I am not. Within these limits, you will prosper. When Christ came, he also knew his limits. He said, my father is the head. And I will not go beyond him. That's it. Okay. The devil will constantly tempt us to cross the limit. In Ecclesiastic chapter 10 and verse 8, 10, 8. He who digs a pit will fall into it. Whoever breaks through a wall, the limit God has said will be beaten by. That's why he's asking us, pushing us to break the wall and come out. Come out. But we don't realize. The tempter and the fowler is both on both sides. The same fellow. He will tempt you to break the wall and when you break the wall, he'll bite you from the other side. Okay, he'll bite you from the other side. So that's why the Bible is very clear. Know the wiles of the enemy. He's very crooked. He's very, very, very crooked. Very. And then if you look back and go back to verse 9. Verse 9. 39.9. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Okay, look at his responses if you look. Okay, the seriousness of sin. We will only really understand the seriousness of sin is if we understand the person of God. Because in all religions, there are people who know what is good and what is wicked. But the concept about wickedness alone is not enough. You also have to look at the person against whom it is directed. Otherwise, it will not. Move us beyond a point because every wickedness can be always justified and tried with by doing a lot of good. It does not work. But you have to look. You see that is what he's trying to do. After killing Uriah and doing all this junk, he marries her and he's trying to cover his wickedness. But God is not going to let go of him. So he's unable, okay? Unable. Unable to sleep. And then finally when he's con- he is confronted and he accepts and he writes that psalm, he says, I have sinned against you. This wickedness was not done against her or him. It was done against you. And that's, that's the key part of dealing with sin. If we do not realize that every sin is directed against God, that's what he says. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God. Then only there can be restoration. Then only we can go back to God. Okay, but please remember, verse 10 is very clear. This temptation is not going to go away. 
okay it will come back over and over and over and over and over and uh, he refused you look at how he does he did not heed to her to lie with her or to be with her he avoided you have to avoid those places of temptation stop listening to that voice of temptation and avoid those places that caused the temptation to fruitify. That's how we have to do it. It's all shown by this young boy, a young teenager in the conscience period, is teaching us how you handle temptation. Stop listening to that voice. Stop avoiding that place. It doesn't stop there. Scripture says, next verse, It happened about this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work, and none of the men of the house was inside. Okay. Now along with the temptation comes the opportunity. Comes the opportunity. Okay, The devil is not going to let go of you. Suddenly the temptation. Earlier you could always escape the temptation. Okay, because how do you avoid the temptation? Always trying to be that you are around with other people, other servants. So she will leave me alone. She will leave, leave me alone. Okay, not directly anything. But she is flirting with you and she's giving you glances and showing you this thing, okay? But still, she will not make a very overt approach like before. But suddenly, temptation plus opportunity comes together. There's nobody there. If you, if you, if you've been to riversides and waterfalls and all, you will know, or caves and all, you will see. Even the toughest rocks, where water is dripping over a time, the water has created a hole in the rock. And you look at the water, it is, doesn't seem to have any power, right? But if you look at the rock over a period of time, hundreds of years, it has created that hole there. That's what temptation does if you don't avoid and run. It will, you will finally lose the strength strength okay and the greatest incentive sin offers please understand why is sin so powerful the temptation to sin is so powerful it brings instant gratification that's what the flesh offers instant that's what the devil is telling jesus bow down and worship me you can have it all the father says go through the cross and reign with me for eternity. Same temptation. Nothing has changed. Bow down and worship me. Like he's, he's struggling with it. If I bow down and worship her, then the master is out all the time. I will be de facto master of a household. But God is telling me, you bow down to this, you will lose that. I have given you already a dream and a vision. You are called to reign. Okay, so we have to get these pictures very, 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 very clearly, very, very clearly. Now we'll go to shift the gear, okay? We're going to another level <coughs> because the Lord has been on my heart telling that a lot of people who are watching is much, much bigger than we can even think of, okay, think of much bigger, okay? And there, many of them are new. 
So they need to be taken, and even our people need to be taken through process of deliverance. So I will need that other microphone later, last night, to pray along with me. Okay? So we'll go beyond the teaching part to understand also what is happening. Because a lot of things we will not understand until we come to the new covenant. The new covenant and the old covenant put together, we will see things that were happening then. And now we understand. Like we go to First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23. We know it very well. <coughs> okay, and all the dear ones who are listening, I'm not preaching, I'm teaching. Okay, that's why I'm going slow that you understand concepts. May God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. If he were to come tomorrow, scary, right? <laughs> tomorrow, these three things should be blameless. Not, he's not saying perfect. According to everything that we know, it should be blameless at his appearing. All three. Okay? Though the body has no redemption, still the body should be blameless at his coming. Okay? Because there was this, uh, this, there was this, uh, first century itself, a cult that came into the early church which said since the body doesn't have any, any redemption, then it doesn't matter what you do with the body, only the soul and the spirit. So they went into indulging in the body. Okay? You have to be very, very careful. Very, very careful. So like we saw about the three realms, man's body is also three realms. Three. God has divided into three, of which one is physical, like our material world, and two are spiritual, which I am not able to see. Unless if anybody has seen his soul, you should tell me. I would like to know from you how you managed to do that. So our soul and our spirit are two spiritual realms. Okay, spiritual realms and in the same manner, God has created it all that way. Okay, so that we understand. The man has the spirit, the soul and the body. And it is my body, these are all fundamental teachings we taught many years ago. It is with my body that I relate to the world with all of you. Okay, so people enjoy YouTube because they're sitting at home, they can see and hear. So with my body, our body, we relate to one another. Our soul, that spiritual, that part of us, that is where our intellect, our will, our emotions are. Okay? Please remember. Has anybody seen your will? No. But you know, you exercise it. Have anybody seen their intellect? No. But you exercise it through your body. Has anybody seen their emotions? No, but you express it through your body. Okay, please understand. Then there is the spirit. The spirit is the one that is God conscious. Okay, now look at it as this way. You see these three things over here? You can see, right? You can see these three. Imagine this as the body, this as the soul, and this as the spirit. Let us put it this way. This is important, okay? Very, very, very important. If you go to Matthew 16 and 26 and keep it there, you need to realize what profit is to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? 
what happened is when man sinned remember the spirit part is what makes us god conscious body is what makes us conscious to the world this is the one that is in the middle that receives signals from here and from here the day man sinned this went dark this went dark okay understand this went dark the light of god disappeared okay after that whatever man knows adam eve everything knows is what had been received and retained in this but this is gone dark spirit is gone dark so everybody has this god consciousness in this soul which is part of received from there but this is gone dark what is salvation salvation is when this may fir bati jalega what is salvation this comes alive again either i wish i had all those modules where this could be lit again light comes here that is salvation okay remember the soul belongs to the body sorry the soul belongs to the spirit and not to the body doesn't belong to the body if it belongs to the body then when you die it should have gone with the body but doesn't go with the body it goes with the spirit so if your spirit has no light it will go to a place where there is no light that is called eternal darkness if your spirit has light then your soul will go to where there is light it is called eternal light simple terms hell or heaven okay it's simple okay very very simple so this part is where god has to save us okay this is come light is come over here you are born again but this part has to be fully saved he is able to save to the uttermost and what is salvation peter will say it is the salvation of our and this fellow is dangerous okay and we have to subject and bring this fellow under control this is the old race you are in if you go to a zoo right now the whole humanity is in a zoo caged you will see the animals and birds in cages their body movements are limited the body is caged okay right now all of humanity practically most of it is body movements are caged in prisons hospitals and right now all over but when a soul is caged soul is caged there are two extremes of when the soul is caged okay extremes one is a madman one is a brilliant eccentric and everybody is in between when the spirit is caged you call them demonically controlled it's not a madman demonically controlled they are wizards and witches the dark area has been taken over and controlled by them and they can have outer body experiences and all that's not a problem for them they'll get out of the body they will go all kind of stuff they will do okay 
all kind of stuff they will do. In the same way God also does with Ezekiel and all. The Spirit of God takes him out. They can do that too. But remember at that point, this is possessed and controlled. Not like a madman, but like serving the enemy. Okay? Saving the, serving the enemy. They are wizards and witches and warlocks and all this kind. How did this all, you have to understand fundamental principles so that we all know what we are working on, what is happening in the world and what is coming. It all started with Adam and Eve. When Adam and Eve did not obey what God said, they sinned. Technically or in fact, they rebelled against God and obeyed Satan. In First Samuel chapter 15, and verse 23, 1 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 23, Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is iniquity. Okay? Their rebellion, okay, that act, their rebellion immediately changed the entire climate of earth. Instead of God's power now controlling mankind, that is Adam and Eve, witchcraft now controls them. Witchcraft is how the, the demonic and the human come together. That power is the power of witchcraft. Okay? So you need to realize the entire power that is working over the world is the power of witchcraft. That's what rebellion does. Okay? And obedience takes us. Christ, through his obedience, is trying to take a set of people back to under the power of God and break them from the power of witchcraft, from darkness to light. Light is the power of God. Darkness is the power of witchcraft. It's real. Okay? And also what happens, so remember, rebellion is the action and witchcraft is the power. And what happens when you continue in that, it becomes... Iniquity it becomes iniquity. Iniquity is like stubbornness or idolatry. Idolatry means the idol is immovable. It is hard, stone. Okay? From sin, you move to iniquity, which is stubborn and hard to move spiritually. And you are not even aware of it. You are not able. Iniquity means now your, your entire character is bent in that way. Okay, bent in that way. So we have to understand that this entire world system, which is called Babylon, is built on witchcraft. The power is the controlling power of the fallen world. Okay. All the people except the redeemed are under the power of the witchcraft and over them are the witches and the wizards who are controlled by demonic entities. Look at how God actually, you know, we looked at it in Ezekiel 28 and Isaiah 14 about Satan. Okay? Look at what God actually, just a couple of lines connected with that. I, Ezekiel 28, 16 and Isaiah 14, 16 and 17. Ezekiel 28, 16. This is talking about Satan. Okay? How he controls 
through witchcraft has been controlling for 6,000 years. By the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within and you sinned. Okay, so you need to realize the at the end of the day, the entire Babylonian system is built on trade. That's why everybody is worried. Everybody is worried. China was not worried. They must have killed at least 15 or 20 million people. They are not worried because they are close to society. But they are also worried about economics. And they stockpiled all this stuff and now trying to sell it to the world. They got the Chinese people all around the world early. Buy, 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 buy. And aircrafts full from Australia and all. We're taking this N195 mask and all this stuff into China. They stockpiled it all using their entire diaspora. Because it's all commerce. Entire thing is based on trade and violence. What was all the wars about? <laughs> it was all about money. Nobody went for war for fun. You killed a nation, took their loot and brought back. It was all that. So kings go to and half the people who joined the army was there for the loot. So this is the power of witchcraft. Satan is being directly being held responsible, but he has worked through kings for centuries, thousands of years. Okay. Now if you go to Isaiah chapter 14 and verse 16 and 17. Those you see will gaze at you and consider you saying, Is this the man who made the king earth tremble, who shook the kingdoms? Who made the world as a wilderness and destroyed its cities? This ultimately that will happen. Who did not open the house of his prisoners. Okay. So everybody were prisoners. Captives. Under the power of witchcraft. Okay. The man wearing a three-piece suit and working, going in a Lamborghini also is a prisoner. The fellow who is sitting with the begging ball on the street also is a prisoner. Only thing they are not aware of it. But they are all prisoners. And in Revelation chapter 18, when you fast forward into time, you are seeing the end No, when uh, at the end when Babylon falls, no, when Babylon falls, you will see the entire system is built on witchcraft. If you go to Genesis 18, it's where Babylon will fall. Okay, and go to verse two. Okay, oh sorry, not Genesis, Revelation, Revelation 18. 18 is, of course, Sodom and Gomorrah falling. And uh, Revelation 18 is the whole world falling. Okay, He cried mightily Okay, after this. Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen and has become what? A dwelling place for demons and a prison for every foul spirit and a cage for every unclean. It's all demonic. It's become the whole haunted. It's become a haunt. Even now it's a haunted place. We don't see it. If we have a spiritual eyes where we cannot handle it, that's why God doesn't open our eyes. If our eyes were to be open, we'll want to get out of this world tomorrow. Not even tomorrow. We won't be like Pharaoh will say tomorrow, let the frogs go. We'll say we'll want to get out today. Okay? And we saw, right? In verse 13, the entire world system that is fallen on witchcraft. And then we will see in verse 13, the trade, the violence and the trade 
Okay, verse 13, at the end, what was the actual trade? It was the bodies and the souls of men. You have to see the world that way. This is what is happening over here. It's a trade of bodies and souls. Absolute trade of bodies and souls. If you turn to Genesis chapter 38, 36 and 39, 1. 38, 36. 30, 37, 36, sorry. 37, 36. And 39, 1. Now the Midianites had sold him in Egypt to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh and captain of the guard. And 39.1 will give us that same. Joseph had been taken down, bought him from. So what is happening over here is, there is a sale of a boy taking place, along with many others' names are in there. Brothers sold it to the Midianites. The Midianites took it. Ishmaelites were there. They took this body. This Babylonian trade is going on, literally before our eyes. Body is sold as a slave. Potiphar buys it. So God is showing a picture. Nothing has changed in the world. It is. Okay, today they were slaves in Potiphar's house. Today we are slaves in IT companies. It's all. All slaves. He's a slave in Egypt. Verse 2 will tell you, though he has been sold as a slave in Egypt. 39.2. Yeah, please. The Lord was with Joseph. Though his body was sold as a slave in Egypt, his soul was free. His soul is free. <coughs> if a man's soul is caged, or a woman, or a child, he or she will not be able to function the way God has ordained him. Okay? You actually become dysfunctional from the way God has actually ordained you to function. Are you getting the picture? So there's actually, if you look at the entire world, entire world, if you look down at the entire world, there's only one free man. And he's a slave. Because his soul is free. Everybody else's soul is caged. Even if their bodies may look free, their bodies are not free. Nobody is able to have freedom in their soul. The ten brothers, no hatred, bitterness, guilt, lying, father, soul is caged by sorrow, and the rest of the world is under the power of witchcraft. So everybody has come under the power of witchcraft. Controlled, soul is caged. One man is free. One man alone is free. So if God has to bring redemption upon this world, he can only bring redemption through people whose soul is free. And only man who actually walked free on earth, absolutely from the beginning till the end, even on the cross, his soul was free. Absolutely free. Okay, so understand these concepts clearly. And please, please understand it. And... Learn from this. Don't take this lightly. Because these messages, like, don't be like I keep telling in the old days, yes. Don't be like what we say, the workers in Noah's ark. No? When he built it, they, he must have had many lots of help. They all built it, they all appreciated it, but nobody got in. In Malayalam, we will say, the, uh, the, the, the fellow, you know, you know, 
in a private bus stand there is this fellow who will love a lot of private bus buses going in the same direction and this fellow will get 500 rupees at the end of the day if he gets maximum customers into this particular bus so from morning till evening he is calling vijayawada 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 but he never goes to vijayawada he never goes to vijayawada his job is to get customers into the vijayawada bus and at the end of the day he gets money for getting these many people in but he never goes get into the buses and goes to vijayawada and god is saying is that at the end of the day after we did all this we need to be very very careful we don't miss so we have to be very very serious both the speaker and the hearer is equally responsible for the word so we have to be very 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 this thing okay so here is a free man the devil is the power of witchcraft he's right in the middle of the epitome of witchcraft because satan keeps on moving his throne if you look into the word of god on earth he keeps on moving his throne when egypt is at the prominence he is there and then when um, persia is he's there when rome is he moves there so he also moves okay and then the principalities are there he keeps on moving so you can absolutely be sure egypt is the epitome of witchcraft completely control all and they don't care this thing Okay, the middle of it is a little boy who is free. How to get him? He tried if he could get him with his work. He couldn't catch him there. He is not distracted. God has sent me. Not distracted. So he releases Mrs. Potiphar, spiritual realm, the dog spirit. Okay. The enemy is using the dog spirit to see if he can get Joseph to sell his soul. To sell his soul. Please remember, God does not sell any man. He only redeems them. We sell ourselves. God does not sell any man. He redeems them. Adam and Eve sold themselves. God didn't sell them. And the entire work of God for the past 6,000 years is not to sell, but to redeem man's soul. If you look at Isaiah chapter 50 and verse 1. 50 and verse 1. Yeah. Thus says the Lord, where is the certificate of your mother's divorce? Whom I put away? Whom I have put away? Or which of my creditors is it to whom I have sold you? I did not sell you. For your own iniquities you have sold yourself. And for your transgressions of your mother, your mother has been put away. He's talking about Israel. Says, I didn't sell you. You sold yourself to slavery. I didn't sell you. I never sold you. I'm not like the earthly fathers of many, 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 many centuries who have sold their children. Says, I didn't sell you. What does scripture say? For your iniquities you sold yourself. <clears throat> okay, please remember. Sin and iniquity, remember the old message, are not exactly the same. When you move into iniquity, you are a slave. Absolutely total slave. You're gone. Until you are set free. Sin and iniquity are not the same. Once iniquity sets in, then it empowers, it's like the inverter. Back up. Even if the power goes, it still keeps burning. 
iniquity empowers sin in that area over and over and over and over again. Okay? And you have to be very, very careful. It has to be broken. Fear and lying. Okay? You remember? All the cowardly and all the liars. Okay? All the liars. Okay? Why does Jacob lie? Because <laughs> he's afraid. He's afraid. Okay, the fear has to be broken. And it is iniquity passed down. His fa- grandfather lied. His father lied. He is a pakka liar. And his children all will become liars except one fellow who escapes that trap. Okay. And if iniquity is not broken, you will not escape. You will not escape. That's why before God can change his destiny, he will come and contend with Jacob at Peniel. And he will ask him this question, what is your name? What is your name? Though he knows everything about him, because he has to break that iniquity over his life. He breaks his, literally dislocates his hip bone. And then, then when the fear, iniquity is gone, fear is broken, the next day you will see when Esau comes, he's running towards Esau. The fellow who had hidden at the back. For the power of iniquity is broken. There are other issues in his life, of course, but this was the major issue. Okay? What God is offering us is freedom. He says, you sold yourself to the devil. I redeemed you through my son but you still need many parts of your soul to be redeemed. You are still caged. The devil is after Joseph. Because all the other ten have sold out. Sex, violence, hatred, father's iniquity, lying, everything is their envy. And we sell ourselves in different ways and the soul is caged. Like I said, no? Two days back, Even if we are saved, it's like Lazarus coming out of the tomb. But bound. Outwardly we can prosper. But inwardly we know we are caged. It's like Psalm 106 verse 50. Israel. Outwardly, if you look at it, Psalm 106 verse 50. He gave them their requests, but sent leadness into their soul. Outwardly, if you look at Hebrews, the Israelites, they fit as a fiddle. There's none feeble among them. Nobody ill. They have food every day. They have the best water in the whole world. Their clothes, not even a tear on it. Their sandals have been worn off, and they are fit. Fighting fit, if you look at them. Yet, if you looked inside, all are slaves. God allowed it. Because they didn't want to be free. Okay. Inside and outside. Okay. Babylon 
survives on witchcraft. And Babylon has many religions. And all religions, if they have to survive, there has to be power. Has to be power. It cannot be a set of ideas. It will not power. It will not survive. So you look at any Babylonian religion from the oldest to the late Babylonian, I'm talking about world religions. Okay? If it begins just with ideas, it will not survive. It needs power. So even Buddhism, which began as a set of nice ideas, went into tantric form of Buddhism. Any Buddhism you go over there is tantric, meaning they have also tapped into the occult. Islam has its own. Hinduism, all religions of the world know they cannot survive without power. And Jesus knows too. He says, don't go. It's a power encounter. You can't do anything. Wait in Jerusalem until you receive power. Because if you do not have this power of the Holy Spirit to contend the power of witchcraft, you will also go under that power. And that's what happened to most of the church. They've gone under that power. And they don't even realize. So they just preach nice platitudes which change nobody. A set of slaves preaching to another set of slaves. Because this is a power encounter. It's a power encounter. And that's the first thing Moses will encounter in Egypt. He already knows he came from that court. So the gospel is contenting with the power of darkness. Okay. So when it's getting higher... This side also have to be very, very aware what is happening. So we know pictures. Elijah was being prepared by God for a time and a season like real encounter where whole Israel has gone to the other side to bring them back. He's being prepared in prayer. He's being prepared at Cherith or Kerith. That means circumcision or cutting away. He's being prepared at Zarephath. He's being prepared at First hidden, we don't know. Then when he got his ready, he sends him. Then from there to Kerit, to Zarephath, to Carmel, to Jezreel. Jezreel is where his work is to finish, but at the last point he fails and he runs. Because at every level it is going to be higher and higher and higher. The powers of darkness is going to hit. But the last point he quit. He ran. Okay. At Jezreel he stopped. If you look at First Kings chapter 18, Verses 45 to 46 and 19, 1 to 3. You'll see how this power encounter happens. It happened in the meantime, the sky became black. Ramba by the net, he had killed all the prophets of Baal, everything, and told Ahab to run. So Ahab rode away and went to Jezreel. Now the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah. He girded up his loins, ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. And there he stopped. He stopped there. God gave him power, supernatural power, to run faster than the king's chariot. And then you will see what happens in the next chapter. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, also how he executed all the prophets with the sword. Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. When he saw that, he rose and ran for his life. Lost. He, he, in today's terms, he cast out all the demons except the strong man. Wow. Except the strong man. 
And because you did not cast out the strong one, a little later all the demons will come back. You have to get rid of the strong man. Why? If you look at First Kings chapter 16 and verse 31, 16, 31, and then 18, 19. Yeah, this is Ahab. He took as wife Jezebel, the daughter of Itabal, the king of the Sidonians, and he went and served Baal and worshipped him. That's how the demonic enters, direct pathway. He goes and marries the daughter of the king of Sidon, and then from there, Baal worship begins. He personally, so the king is now a Baal worship. Okay, so God is taking him from first he puts him in charith in solitude. Get to know me. Go strong. I won't take you in one rush. Get to know me. Get to know me. Get to know me. I am your God. You need to know me really well. Grow strong. Get to know me. From there he moves him to Zarephath. Zarephath is Itabal's capital. Sidon's capital. You don't have to fear Itabal to learn. Stay under. I can hide you right under your enemy's nose and feed you over there. So he grows stronger. Then takes him up to the mountain. Now face the prophets. So we grow from spiritual strength to strength to strength. We have to. Because these battles are not going to this thing. And the next one which I gave you, 18-19, Therefore send and gather all Israel to me on Mount Carmel, 400 prophets of, 50 prophets of Baal, 400 prophets of Asherah. How many? 850. But who ate at Jezebel's table? Who feeds them? Jezebel. Jezebel is the one who feeds them. She's the one who needs to be tackled. But does not happen. Does not happen. Okay, so he cuts and runs. And if Israel has to wait for many, many, many more years, so God has to get him to prepare three people. Hazel, Elisha, and Jehu. And Jehu is the one who will finish that work. Okay, even there he stumbles off the sin of Jeroboam and leaves it intact. The rest he handles. But let us look at how the spirit works again. Okay, Second Kings chapter 9, 30 to 31. So people understand. 30 to 31. When Jehu had come to Jezreel, he's on a mission to destroy everybody. All that God has said to put the powers of darkness. Jezebel heard of it and she put paint on her eyes, adorned her head and looked through a window. And as Jehu entered at the gate, she said, Is it P. Zimri, murderer of your master? Two tactics. One is seduction, the other is violence. Okay. She painted her eyes, looked down. Let me see which will work. The spirit of seduction or the spirit of violence. Okay, both. She's working on him on both. He, of course, 32 onwards. This is the power of witchcraft, okay? He is, the anointing over him protects him from that. Remember, without the anointing, you can do nothing. He looked up at the window and said, who is on my side? Who? So two or three eunuchs looked down. We have looked at this, meaning you need to be a eunuch. Cut away from the attachments to the world if you have to overcome this. And listen to the anointing that is over Jehu, who is a type of Jesus Christ. Who is on my side? Words come down. He said, throw her down. So they threw her down and some of her blood spattered on the wall and on the horses and he trampled her underfoot. Okay, his set of people who are with him rode over her. And let's go further down. 33. When he had gone in and he ate and drank, he said, Go now, see to this accursed woman and bury her, for she was a king's daughter. 
They went to bury her, but they found no more of her than the skull and the feet and the palms of her hand. They went and they couldn't find anything. Okay. And verse 36. Then they came back and told him, and he said, This is the word of the Lord which he spoke by his servant Elijah the Tishbite. On the plot of the ground, the Jezreel dog shall eat the flesh of Jezebel. It is judgment so that you understand the spirit of the dog was working through her, and the dogs will eat her body. She's the one who introduced witchcraft through seduction into the king's table and took my whole people as captive. So I will judge her in the same way. Dogs will eat her body. There will be nothing left to bury. Okay. So we have to understand. This is war. Real war. COVID-19 is war. Spiritual war. Everybody will say, pray, 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 pray. The question is, pray for what? What are you praying for? You are praying for people to be delivered in this situation. Okay? People to be. And God is very, very tough on his servants in times when the world, his people have gone down. Let's go to Ezekiel chapter 13, verses 1 to 9. Very tough on his servants, okay? Ezekiel 13, verses 1 onward. What of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, prophesy against the prophets of Israel who prophesy and say to those who prophesy out of their own heart. Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, Woe to foolish prophets who follow their own spirit and have seen nothing. Israel, your prophets are like foxes in the desert. You have not gone up into the gaps to build a wall for the house of Israel to stand in battle on the day of the Lord. Did you build the wall? The day of the Lord is here. Did you build them up? The, the day of the Lord is here. All the powers of darkness are going to be released. Is the church ready? That they will not buckle under and go over to the other side? Did you build the wall? They have envisioned. Their visions are all futility and false divination saying, Thus says the Lord. Thus says the Lord. Don't worry. Don't worry. Just trust the Lord. Don't worry. All are caged souls. They did not speak deliverance. They did not bring them that to the deliverance. They did not build up the walls of salvation. Remember, rise up and build the walls of salvation. It's a battle with a what? brick in one hand and the sword in the other hand. You build. Okay, and he says, yet they hope that my word, the word may be confirmed. Go further down. Have you not seen a futile vision and have you not spoken false divination? You say, the, the Lord says, but I have not spoken. Thus says, therefore, thus says the Lord God, because you have spoken nonsense and invest in lies, therefore I am indeed against you. He's telling the servants of God. Okay? And then, my hand will be against the prophets who envision futility and who divine lies. They shall not be in the assembly of my people, nor be written in the record of the house of Israel, nor shall they enter in the land of Israel. Then you shall know that I am the Lord God. Why? Because indeed they have seduced my people. The power of witchcraft was working through the prophets of Israel and they were seduced into a false sense of peace, complacency. You know, if you look at everybody's eyes is on the government. Trump comes and says, yeah, I will recover, revive the economy. Modi will say six months later, we will revive. I said, that's where your hope comes from. And the pastor all says, don't worry, God loves you, God loves you. 
listen to these songs and listen to this five minute clip. You will be fine. God will come. Nothing will happen. So that's what you have seduced them. You have seduced my people saying peace, peace when there is no peace. One builds a wall and they plaster it with untempered mortar. Untempered mortar. It's not even mixed properly. Say to those who plaster it with untempered mortar that it will fall. There will be flooding, rain, and you, a great hailstone, shall fall, and a stormy wind shall tear it down. Surely when the wall has fallen, will it not be said to you, where is the mortar with which you plastered it? What's the kind of messages you used to build up the lives of your people? Therefore, thus says the Lord God, I will cause a stormy wind to break forth in my fury, and there shall be flooding rain in my anger and great hailstone in fury to consume it. I will break down the wall you have plastered with untempered mortar, bring it down to the ground so that its foundation will be uncovered. It will fall, and you shall be consumed in the midst of it. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. Okay, so Pastor Vijay, yeah, let's, let's go further down. Thus I will accomplish my wrath on the wall and those who have plastered it with untempered mortar and I will say to you the wall is no more. Nor those who plastered it. That is the prophets of Israel who prophesy concerning Jerusalem and who see visions of peace for her when there is no peace says the Lord God. It's a picture given to us what happened to Israel will happen to this world too. That's what is telling the Laodicean church. Fools. You think you are rich when you are poor. You think you can see when you are blind. You think you are clothed when you are naked. Repent. The battle is right here at the gate. The battle is here right at the gate. And verse 17 and 18. Likewise, son of man, set your face against. Yeah. Okay. Now let us, let us look at what is happening on the other side. Likewise, son of man, set your face against the daughters of your people who prophesy out of their own heart. Prophesy against them and say, thus says the Lord God, woe to the women who sow magic charms on their sleeves, make wails for the heads of people of every height to hunt souls. What are these? Yeah, these are soul hunters. What are these? These are soul hunters. They're hunting souls. You need to realize half the ministry in the world that is happening is hunting for souls. Not for God. God saves and redeems souls. But half of the others are ministers of the devil. And they are hunting souls. The women are involved in it. Who make whales for the heads of people of every height. Will you hunt the souls of my people and keep yourself alive? And will you profane me among my people for handfuls of barley and for pieces of bread? Killing people who should not die? And keeping people alive who should not live by your lying to my people who listen to lies. Who are these? Hunters of souls. Okay. And that's what is happening. And literally, if you look in religions, what they do, they just sew bands and they put headbands. Okay, you have a problem? Okay, tie this. Okay, tie this. Take this, no? Send an offering to us. Take my prayer cloth and buy this from me. Buy this and buy this and buy this and buy this and buy this. He said, you sold the souls of my people for barley and bread. You sold. Sold my people. Mm. No. That is my issue with people. My issue with ministries is that if you believe that the entire wealth of the world cannot balance against the price of one soul in God's eyes, why do you sell your ministry like this? 
Yes, I look at your books, they are excellent. Some of them are deep. But why do you put such a deep price tag on it? Like everything God has given us, it's free on the internet. Everything, transcript included, everything is free. Freely we have received, freely. I hear Pastor Vijay, so now I am on YouTube, so I have to give citations. To these people who talk about citation, I'm saying, where did you get your revelation from? Was it revelation or is it yours? If it's yours, it's worth nothing. If it's revelation, it's not yours. Why do you put a price tag on it? Aren't you ashamed? All these pastors and ministers who put royalty and price tag and everything has to be bought from there, including their deep revelations. Let them go to heaven and sit with Paul. He will say, you give me royalty. That was all my revelations. You take this book out, what revelation do you have? How much do you have to pay Moses for sitting with God and getting the five books? All of them. The entire kingdom of God. People like Martin Luther and all stake their lives to translate the Bible. And all those first people were literally died trying to bring the word to us. They didn't put any royalty. They didn't sell like the way they are selling now. If you really believe this is the greatest revelation you have heard which can change the lives of people, why do you sell it like this? Don't you understand the price of a soul? Don't you trust God that I will make it so easily available at cost price or less than that? You don't need fancy covers and all that. You can make it the simplest possible and see widely let people receive it if it is. But do they do that? They don't do that. Every this thing is the power of witchcraft because there are hundreds of souls. I'm talking about what really happens in the you think about, have you ever heard in the entire four Gospels, Jesus going around day and night, ever Jesus putting the offering bag around, taking an offering? When he asked his disciples, when I sent you out without all this, did you lack? Did you lack? He didn't sell the kingdom of God. He could raise people from the dead. He didn't sell it. This is where the power of the witchcraft comes. Okay. And you need to realize both ways. Either they give you a false sense of hope, but they are actually hunting your souls. They are soul hunters. Or they take you to the other side. Tribulation is coming. Come back under the law. Come a lot of Christians will be celebrating Passover with all the Jewish rituals now. You know what Paul talks about them? Philippians chapter 3 and verse 2. What does he call them? Beware of dogs. Why are they dogs? They are using again the seduction of the flesh to take people back into the bondage of the law and giving them a false assurance because you kept all this, you will escape what is coming. All dogs, he calls them. Dogs on both sides. Meaning it's a spirit of witchcraft operating. Taking people on both sides. So the question have to be asked. Soul traders, that is our worst enemy. They are trading in souls. That is Babylonian's industry. The entire world is a slave market. And trading is going on day and night. So the question is, is your soul sold or is it caged? Is it sold or is it caged? If it's sold, he will redeem you. If it's caged, he will deliver you. Remember the story of the prodigal son? The prodigal son left his father's house and he went all the way. For a time he thought he was having a blast. But he was a soul that was hundred and bought. 
He was sold. Why? Because the father says he was dead. He sold. My son was dead. Now he's alive when he comes back. Okay. So he was sold. He had sold himself. The hunter was there. But he had sold himself. His soul was gone, sold. And the father has, he has to come to his senses, come back. And he comes back to life. What of his elder brother? He didn't sell himself, but he was caged. He's standing outside. Can't get in. He doesn't know his father at all. He can appreciate anything of his father. You know, he can't even rejoice his brother has come back. A caged soul and a sold soul. Okay. This is what you have to realize. The ten brothers and the father, that is Jacob, and the ten brothers thinks Joseph is dead. Joseph is alive. They are dead. He's alive. Their souls are completely caged. Completely caged. He's the only free man. Only man who is alive and hearing and moving with God. If you look at Genesis chapter 42 and verse 1. Genesis 42 verse 1. When Jacob saw there was grain in Egypt, Jacob said to his son, Why do you look at one another? You know when this conversation is talking place? The last time you heard about Jacob and his sons is in Genesis chapter 37, when they are all standing around with the robe. And after that, if you have Judah and Tamar, that is a death work, work of a dead person. Okay, So we include that. So 37 and verse 35, when they are all standing around, is the last time you saw these 11 people. And after that, next time you hear is 42.1. In the interim period, 22 years have passed. No record because they are dead while one man is alive. No record in God's history. At all. No record. Everything is only about Joseph. The soul is caged. They are under the power of his craft. The reigning System, like this power runs us, witchcraft runs this world. Witchcraft runs this world. And that is why when they were panicking and all, they told us two days back, nine o'clock from nine to nine p.m., nine minutes, light all your candles, hoping these powers will help them. Did you hear anybody saying they got an answer? No. Nothing happened. But they cannot do it directly, so they were doing through subterfuge, meaning they were doing it in a deceiving manner. But that's a manner of Witchcraft, anyway. So the question we have to ask is, what are we? Alive? Sold? Caged? Turn with me to Nahum. Chapter 3. We'll turn to verse 3. Got Nahum? Yeah, 3, 3. And all these months we haven't gone to Nahum. That's why we're struggling to find it. <laughs> Hum or Nahum. Horsemen charge with bright sword and glittering spear. In a, There is a multitude of slain. A great number of bodies. Countless corpses. They stumble over the corpses. You hear about China? Crematories were jammed and some of the thing shut down. And... Uh, um, Body freezers are empty. They're you, you thinking of burying bodies in New York in temporary parks for temporary and when everything is over, you can take it and bury in your own life. Bad corpses everywhere. Corpses, corpses, corpses. You know the reason? 
Verse 4 is the reason. You see one thing outward and you don't see what is happening in realm 2. What they are doing. Because of the multitude of the harlotries of the seductive harlot, the mistress of sorceries who sells nations through her harlotries and families through her sorceries. Did you see that? All we see is multitude and multitude and multitude of bodies outside. But what is happening over here? Sorcery is happening over here. Sorcery and witchcraft. Whole demonic realm is planning to bring the Antichrist into power. And they have to do a lot of things before that will happen. Create fear, create panic, where everybody gets dependent upon the government. Create that kind of a mindset. And everything has to be generated. World population has to be brought down. All this, this has to become the norm. That you will do what the government tells you. Fear, 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 fear. Fear. But what is happening on the other side? It's sorceries and harlotries. And what do they do? They sell nations through their harlotries. And we think this is a joke. It's not a joke. It's very, very, very serious. You know? So there is conditions for freedom. In John chapter 8 and verse 32, this is what Jesus said. He said, <coughs> Let's go to 8.32. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And that's the job of every servant of God, to preach the truth. And then he says in verse 34 to 36. 34 to 36. And Jesus answered, Most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. A slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. So God asks, are you a son or are you a slave? Only sons abide forever. Okay. Only sons abide forever. You are not supposed to be caged. We have, when soul is caged, the body is looking good. From the presidents to prime ministers to everybody looks great. But you don't know their soul. All caged. Absolutely caged, no freedom at all. And there is one slave in Potiphar's house who is absolutely free. And is functioning exactly as nothing is affecting his mind. He's absolutely, that is why he is, he is, this is a spiritual side. Spiritually he is, pro, he is prospering over there. God is with him. God is with him. Because his soul is free. Yet everything was done to him to capture him. So in the eyes of the world, Joseph was a slave. But the devil knew Joseph was a son and not a slave. He couldn't get him to be angry. He couldn't get him to be jealous. He couldn't get him to be unkind. He couldn't get to be unforgiving. He couldn't get him to be bitter. He couldn't get to be lazy. He couldn't get to be like depressed and not work. He couldn't get him to do anything. So he released the dog spirit to see if and he released it from the top. Not from the bottom. Bottom is okay. If it was a maid servant, he is the boss. He said, go mind your own business. But this is the one woman. He cannot say anything. He released it from the top. Okay. One person that is above him. Release the dog spirit on him. So we have to ask ourselves. Look through the life of Joseph to learn what spiritual freedom is. You have to study in detail Joseph in prison. Watch Paul in prison. 
and take a good look at our own lives in this past 18 days in prison. Are you a slave or are you a son? Because it is witchcraft operating over this world. Do you remember Moses standing with his rod in front of Pharaoh, surrounded by magicians and sorcerers and soothsayers? And Joseph will be taken into before the Pharaoh. There will be all the magicians and soothsayers. And Daniel will stand. There will be all the soothsayers and magicians. And Elijah will stand on Mount Carmel. There will be all the magicians and the soothsayers. The question is, are we free? Do we want to be free? Are we free? Do we want to be free? Don't even put your trust in any established system unless you know they are preaching the truth and preparing our people. Turn with me to Ezekiel now so that we look at what happens in God's house. Ezekiel is in Chebar in Babylon, but he's seeing visions of God's temple. Ezekiel chapter 8, verses 3 to 5. The Spirit of God comes and picks him from the air, hair and takes him. He stretched out the form of a hand and took me by a lock of my hair. One lock is enough for God to pull you out of your spirit. Okay, okay, one lock. And the Spirit lifted me up. Very clearly it is the Spirit. Okay, lifted me up between earth and heaven and brought me in visions of God to Jerusalem, to the door of the north gate of the inner court where the seat of the image of jealousy was, which provokes to jealousy. He brought him there and he says, did you see what is there in my temple? Everybody is saying, pray, 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 this virus will pass away. God says, do you see what is there in my temple? And you want me to pray and leave the idol alone. Do you see my idol? Right at the north gate. Behold, the glory of God of Israel was there like a vision that I saw in the plain. He said to me, Son of man, lift your eyes now toward the north. So I lifted my eyes towards the north and there the north of the altar gate was this image of jealousy in the entrance. So anybody who gets tries to get into the temple has to first bow before this idol. The idol is there. And God is saying, before you came to me, before this trouble hit everybody. Everybody is now calling. How many idols did you worship? How many idols? Let's go to verse 6. This is Jerusalem, the temple, okay? Furthermore, he said, Son of man, do you see what they are doing? The great abomination that the house of Israel commits here to make me go far away from my sanctuary. Where is he going? Far away from where? His sanctuary. Now turn again. You will see greater abomination. Are you shocked by this? He says, this is nothing. I will show you more. He brought me to the door of the court. And when I looked, there was a hole in the wall. And he said to me, son of man, dig into the wall. And when I dug into the wall, there was a door. Okay. He said to me, go in and see the wicked abominations which they are doing. So I went in and saw, and there, every sort of creeping thing, abominable beast, and all the idols of the house of Israel portrayed around on the walls. And there stood before them seventy men of the elders of the house of Israel. Did you see? This is what they do, even today. That's what the lodges are all. In the deep unknown places, they have their places. Baphomet statue is there, half goat, half man over there. Half goat, half man. Why goat and man? Because goat with the passions of the goat. Man. 
demonic with the passions. The sexual goat is sexually pictured always as a sexually rampant this thing. And what is at both his hands? A small boy and a small gun, feudophiles. All feudophiles sitting over there with the goat and the, this thing over there. And before that, they are all chanting and doing their things. Nothing has changed. These are the elders of Israel. And these are many of the pastors and priests of the world still doing the same thing for their souls of power. That's why I call them pastors by day and masters by night. These are priests by day and masters by night. Nothing has changed in all these years. And God says, Ezekiel, come there, see. And you want me to be happy about what's happening. That's what he's saying. Son of man, have you seen what the elders of the house of Israel do in the dark? Every man in the room of his idols. For they say, the Lord hath not seen as the Lord has forsaken the land. He says, I'll show you more. He says, come further down. Turn again and you will see greater abominations that they are doing. And he brought me to the door of the north gate. And there to my dismay were women sitting there weeping for Tammuz. These are Israeli women. And he said, have you seen our son of man? Turn again, you will see greater abominations. And he brought me to the inner court of Lord's house. And there at the door of the temple of the Lord between the porch and the altar were 25 men with their backs towards the temple of the Lord. Now, their back is towards the temple of the Lord. What are they doing? Their faces towards the east. They were worshipping the sun towards the east. And he said, have you seen this son of man? Is it a trivial thing that the house of Judah to commit abominations which they commit here? For they have filled the land with violence and they have returned to provoke me to anger. Indeed, they put the branch to their nose. Therefore, I also will act in fury. My, I will not spare, nor will I have pity. Though they cry in my ears with a loud voice, I will not hear them. You know? When God says, repent of our wicked ways, he means it. He's serious. There are a lot of people who are innocent. Innocent people caught in that. But they are corpses. They are dying. They are dying because they have been sold. They have been hunted down and they have been sold. The entire system is working on witchcraft, idolatry and sorcery. God is saying, do you want to be free? Do you want to be free? You really, really want to be free? That's what he's talking about. And this is what we have to ask. You have to go from one level to another to understand this battle. So when more I see, the more I understand why. God says, very few will make it. Very few. I'm not saying few mean 20 or 30. In When you look at the world population, billions. The ones who left. When the righteous can be scarcely saved, what will happen to the ungodly? The righteous are struggling under this power that is over. And that is where Joseph is standing there in the court of Egypt. All witchcraft, all sorcery. All idolatry, all kinds of licentious, including the master's wife. Everything. In the middle of it, a young man stands. Young man stands. And God knows. This man, I have to protect him. So I'll find a safe place where nobody can touch his body because he's in that age. So he shut him up in the prison for probably the next 10 years. Don't worry, you're safe there. And if you look at the difference, you will see in him, in Genesis 39 and verse 2, the Lord was with Joseph and Joseph was successful. While he goes into prison, scripture will say the Lord was with Joseph and Joseph found mercy. So two different attributes of God. 
He needed success in Potiphar's palace. He needed mercy. He needed mercy in the prison. He did not need success there. He needed mercy. God will meet us when we stand for him according to our situations. You, you, you don't get success in prison. You need mercy. You need mercy. No, but when you're working somewhere, you need, you need success. Everywhere God is there in that man's life. And this is a man in the conscience period. So God is telling us this evening. You know, that is the gospel. And the gospel will continuously take us further and further and further and further inside and set us free, redeem us from the power of darkness. And we have to keep on moving. Cannot take and take a diversion like the prodigal son. Okay, the sheep strayed away, searched, found it, brought it back. How many years was lost? We don't know. Coin was lost, searched, searched, found. Okay, this fellow walks away. Walks away. You know? So we have to be serious. Let's turn before we pray to Isaiah chapter 52. Isaiah 52. Because remember Hebrews, right? What is a church called? Church is called Zion. And the peak of Israel it is. No, its glory is called Zion. There is, there is new heavens, new earth, new Jerusalem, and then there is Zion. Okay? And the church is being called, awake, awake, put on your strength, O Zion. Put on your beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city. But for whom? The uncircumcised and the unclean shall no longer come to you. Okay? Okay, so we are constantly allowing the Spirit of God to circumcise our hearts, our ears, our eyes, that we see what He sees and what He wants us to see, hear what He wants us to hear, and love Him with all our heart, all our mind, all our strength. That's why in Corinthians 16, Paul says, Maranatha, come Jesus, oh, be cursed, go under the power of witchcraft. You want to go there, you want to stay here. That's a choice, He says. There are only two choices. You want to stay here, you want to go there. You don't want to go there, stay under the curse. The whole world is under the curse, under witchcraft. You want to stay here on a getaway. If you are not allowing the progress in the gospel to go forward where you love God more, you have to allow it each day, the Holy Spirit to circumcise it. And he will cut it away. He will cut it. There is no fear. Love casts away fear because actually what you see is the fear is slowly going, 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 going and is being replaced with the love of God even in a situation like this. We may fear for others but we don't fear for ourselves. We don't fear for ourselves. We may fear for others. That's a different thing. It's a concern because you cannot control and make them love God. You are the only one who can love God. Shake yourself from the dust. Arise. Sit down, O Jerusalem. Loose yourself from the bonds of your neck. Don't you realize, Jerusalem, O captive daughter of Zion? You are supposed to be Zion. You are the captive daughter. You got bonds. Your soul is caged. Thus says the Lord, you sold yourself for nothing. You sold yourself for nothing. You sold yourself. And you shall be redeemed without money. You shall be redeemed without money. He says, I will redeem you. See, this is where, in instance, if you will go to verse 7, it is here where we have that beautiful thing Paul will say in Romans 10. How beautiful upon the mountain are the feet of him who brings the good news. What is the good news? The good news is the good news of redemption and the freedom of souls. That's the good news. That's what he will say in Romans 10, 17 or 17 or 20 or something. He was not 17, 20 or something will say. What is the good news? The good news is not to stay in the world and grow in the world and stay under the power of witchcraft. He says, stay here as a free man. 
and let God prosper you. And that is the third John blessing. I wish you prosper in everything as your soul prospers. You should not prosper in everything otherwise. Your soul should prosper. You know you are out. You are not caged. You are not sold. You have been redeemed and you are free inside. And your freedom is tested in times like this. That is the difference. And Old Testament saints were all caged souls. New Testament saints are free souls. So Stephen could pray for his enemies as he is dying. Paul and Silas could be singing loudly in the midnight hour because his bodies are imprisoned. Souls are not. Here you can have everything for your body, but to get a song out of the mouth of people is impossible. And if they sing, it is only connected with the body. There is no song of the soul there. And that's what God is talking about. So this evening, we are coming. And as we come, I will use this microphone to call Ma. Baby, you are listening. Be ready. I'll call you in a minute or two. Okay? So the gospel is the gospel of freedom. The soul has to be free. If the soul is free and the spirit is in tune with God, the soul and the spirit shall do a tango. And the body has to be brought under subjection. The body will go where the spirit and the soul wants it to go. Otherwise, it will not work. If the soul is caged, the soul and the body will go where the spirit doesn't want to go. Doesn't want to go. That's how it works. If the soul is not caged, the soul and the spirit, soul will get signals very clearly. God is speaking when he hears the word, reads the word, hears everything, with absolute clarity. And they are going together and tell the body, shut up. And do what we tell you. Every time the body wants to do something, three to one, it is two to one, it is voted out. And after some time, the body also falls in line. And God says, if I were to come tomorrow, you are fine. Your spirit, your soul, and your body is blameless. It's blameless at the appearance of the Lord. And for those anybody who is listening and do not know God. First, let me pray that you accept Jesus. Because you are redeemed free. That's what the word of God says. You sold yourself for nothing. Everyone. Whether you are a Christian, Muslim, Hindu, Buddhist, doesn't matter. Everybody. All of us sold ourselves for nothing. Adam sold the whole human race for nothing. He got nothing back. Sin, sickness, death, misery. All the days of life. Trouble. Sold us for nothing. And we ourselves after that kept on selling. But God says, I will redeem you for nothing. You have to pay nothing. I have paid the price. So this night, first my call is to those who are listening and not saved. Come to Jesus. Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. This is the hour of God's salvation. This is the hour of God's salvation. You have run enough. Are you happy? Do you have rest in your soul? We kept postponing this day. But the day has come. Today. Today was the day God delivered Israel with his right hand. Thousands of years ago. 
And today that same right hand can deliver you. Nothing has changed. It is the same hand that delivers. There's only one hand that delivers. It's the hand of Jesus Christ. God through his son sets people free from that slave market. He goes there and he redeemed us with his own life, with his own blood from that slave market. And he sets us free. So tonight the invitation is to everyone who truly, truly doesn't know Jesus. Come back. Come to Jesus. Just pray in your heart. Lord Jesus, I heard and I confess I'm a slave to sin. And I didn't know I was serving the ruler of this world, the devil, and the passions of my flesh all these years. I want to be free, but I know I cannot be free in my strength. And I hear you have paid that price. So Jesus, I'm turning my back to this world. I'm turning my back to sin. And I'm repenting of all my sin and all my efforts to do good. And I'm turning to you and to you alone. I'm putting my trust in you and you alone, O Lord Jesus. Save me, Jesus. Save me. That's my prayer. Save me. Anyone who calls upon the name of Jesus will not be put to shame is the promise. If any man believes in his heart and confesses with his mouth the Lord Jesus Christ that he was raised from the dead, Scripture says, you are saved. That's just the beginning. Then you continue and he will keep saving you. To all those are in this circle, because I need to speak to you, you have to surrender and trust God to deliver you. I know some of you are still struggling. You could have many, many, many altars created, programmed, and each of these altars were sold as slaves for the work of the flesh by the slave masters. That's literally what happens. But I will tell you something with the cases I have handled. If the core is strong, the core personality is strong, the will of the core is strong, then you can be delivered fast. I've seen that in a case with over a thousand alter personalities. The core was strong and deliverance was very, very easy. But if the core, you know what I mean when I say core, but if the core is weak and the altars are strong, with a kid who had only three altars, it was so difficult because the altars were strong and the core was weak. It's very difficult. So the core has to surrender. But if the core is weaker than the altars, you have to cry out to God for mercy. Because the Altars have been shaped in iniquity, literally in hell. And if you fathers who are listening, and mothers who are listening, if you were part of the circle, and you are hiding it, 
your children have gone into the slave market, you repent, you come out, so that your children can be delivered. So many, even in the city, you are ashamed. You keep quiet about this fact that you all went to that place years ago and your children are struggling today. So many young men and girls are struggling and they don't know why they are struggling. It's because you sold them in the slave market. So my prayer to you is you surrender. You surrender so the children can be free. There's nothing to be ashamed about because he will take your shame away but you'll have to come up open and repent and break the ties with the occult. However far back it was, you cannot give the enemy a toehold in your life. If you give him the toehold, he will put the whole, take your whole life away one day. So we'll ask for surrender. Spirit, soul, body. Today, every day. And ask for restoration. And renounce every work of wickedness. Now I'll first ask my wife to pray. And then... Then I will pray. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Lord, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We come boldly to the throne room of grace this evening, Lord. Yes, Lord. Thanking you, Lord, for mercy and for your grace, my God. Oh, Father, Lord, who else can we go to? You have the words of life, my God. We come to you, Father. We come as humble as we know how, my God. Asking, Lord, that you touch us today. Touch everyone that is struggling today, Father. Everyone. Oh, Lord, every young lady, every brother, every sister. Everyone, my God. You know them all. You know them by name, my God. And Father, today our prayer. Oh, Lord, that you touch them. You touch them, dear Lord. Touch them. Send forth your word today and heal today, Father. Heal the mind. Heal the heart, my God. Lord, every one of us, Lord, every one of us are broken, broken vessels, my God. Every one, my God. And Jesus, 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 the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed us to set the captives free, to heal the brokenhearted, to give us beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for the garment of praise and the spirit of heaviness, my God. Oh, Father, today we pray, my God, touch every brother, every sister, my God. Today we come against powers of darkness. We take authority today in the name of Jesus, my God. And Lord, what we bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And we loose and we release the anointing that will set the captives free, my God. For the ones whose souls are caged in, my God. I pray, my God, today you loose them from the clutches of the evil one, my God. Loose them today, Father. Loose them, Lord. Loose them, my God. We, oh Lord, they need, they need deliverance. They need you, my God. And Father, is anything too difficult for thee? Nothing, nothing is too difficult for thee. You are the God that says when you come, believe, believe, 
that I am who I am, and you are, you are no respecter of persons. You are the same God yesterday, today, and forever, my God. Oh, Lord, I pray today, Father, loose them today, Father. Loose the ones that are struggling in their minds and their hearts today, Father. Loose them, my God. Who can ascend into the holy hills of heaven except a man who has clean hands and a pure heart, my God? And today I pray, my God, touch minds today, my God. Touch the broken hearts today, my God. Oh, Father, we believe, we believe that you are able, my God. We believe, my God, that you are no respecter of persons, my God. Today we say thank you. We say thank you. We say thank you, my God. Bless the Lord, oh, my soul, and all that is within us. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, oh, my soul, who forgives all our iniquities, who heals all our diseases, who cleanses us from unrighteousness. We bless your holy name. We bless your holy name, my God. Every one of us, my God, we're in darkness, but now we're in the light, my God. And the entrance to your word is light, my God. Thy word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, my God. Open hearts today that we will receive the word, my God. Open hearts, my God, today. Oh, Lord, touch, touch hearts today, Father. Open their hearts to receive, my God. You said, I stand at the door and I knock. Would you let me in? I pray today, my God, they will let you in to their hearts, my God. I pray, my God, that they will trust in the Lord with all their heart and lean not to their own understanding. But in all their ways, acknowledge you and you will direct our paths, my God. And today we believe. We believe, my God. We believe you've touched hearts today. We believe you've touched minds today. We believe, my God, that, oh Lord, repentance will take place Lord, in their homes, in the privacy of their homes, my God. And Lord, I pray they will cry out to you, my God, knowing, my God, you are the glory and the lifter of our head, my God. You will lift, oh my God, my God, my God, today I pray, my God. Let them, let them know, my God, lift your eyes unto the hills from where comes your help. It comes from God. We lift up, my God. We look up today. We look up. We look up, my God. Our help comes from you, my God. We look up. Redemption is near, my God, today. And we just say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Guard them. Guard their hearts from the evil one, my God. Guard their hearts from the evil one, my God. Touch their minds, my God. Touch their minds today, Father. Deliver once, my God. The youth, my God, from addiction, whatever addiction it is today, my God. Oh, Lord, I pray you deliver them and set them free today, my God. Deliver the youth with areas they struggle in, my God. Let them trust you, my God, for total deliverance in their lives today. In the name of Jesus, my God. Lord, we just believe. We believe because one can put a thousand, two can put ten thousand. We're more than two today, my God. And you said if you touch and agree and believe, my God, oh Lord, you will, you will come to, it will come to pass, my God. And you will deliver, you will set the captives free if we cry out, my God. If we cry out in the privacy of our homes, of our homes, my God, today. We just thank you. We love you. We praise you, my God. We worship you. Jesus' name we pray. Father, we just come to you, Lord, and I take authority in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. No weapon that is formed against us will prosper. Every lying tongue that rises against us in judgment, we condemn it in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. None of your people will die, but we will live and declare the works of the Lord. Every arrow that has been sent by the shield of faith, I send it back to the witches and the wizards. You released it. We didn't. It will come back to you. The one who digs the pit will fall into him. It's themselves.
That's what the word of the Lord says. Bind every spirit that is operating and caging your people, the spirit of anger. You will leave in Jesus' name. The spirit of envy and jealousy will leave in Jesus' name. The spirit of lethargy will leave in Jesus' name. The spirit of complacency will leave in Jesus' name. This is the time to gird our loins and ready to leave in haste. To eat the Passover lamb in haste. A spirit of complacency will leave the church in Jesus' name. I command that spirit of heaviness to leave in Jesus' name. The spirit of violence and conflict in homes to leave in Jesus' name. Let every caged soul be set free in Jesus' name. That they will have the liberty of Joseph in Egypt. We are in this world, but we are not of this world. And we will walk in the liberty as sons and daughters of the living God and not as slaves. Speak that salvation, that liberty into the lives of your people, Lord. Touch, Father, touch. Touch, Lord, touch. You said it would be a wall of fire around Zion, O God. And I pray for all the dear ones who have come out, Lord. So many have come out a part of your kingdom, Lord. I pray the wall of fire will surround them and keep them safe within. And more and more and more will come out in these days, O Lord, and be added to the kingdom of God from darkness into light to declare your praises, O God. But we will not fear, for you have not given us the spirit of fear. We will not fear. You have given us a spirit of power and love and a sound mind, O God. And we proclaim and we confess it, O Lord. For salvation is of the Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Let your people be free tonight. Let them experience what is the liberty of the soul. That they will be able to hear clearly. Understand clearly all the things they have learned in these past days and weeks and let the Holy Spirit bring into their remembrance. Let there be clarity now because their will, their intellect and their emotions have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Let there be clarity, Lord, in the inner man. That freedom that comes from Christ and Christ alone, O oh God, let it be there, Father. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Plead the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus once again over the church. We pray, Lord, keep us safe during this season. And bring us stronger when the season is over. And we bring, once again, Lord, our country before thee. And we pray, have mercy, mercy, mercy upon the leaders. Mercy, have mercy, mercy, mercy upon this land, Lord. The people and the land will eyes will be opened and they will turn away from their wicked ways and turn to you, Father. That in the this season, lockdown, there will be a great harvest, Lord, in this nation. I pray, Father. I pray for President Trump, Lord, that he will give him wisdom. We need him, Lord, at a time like this, Father. We believe you put him there for a season. And I pray you will give him wisdom and strength. And cover him and protect him, Lord. We pray for all your servants around the world, the innocent ones, Lord, who have been struggling without knowing what's happening. Pray that you would protect them. 
and give them wisdom and discernment exactly how to prepare your people in these last days, O Lord. Let the word go forth with power and with authority. Let the anointing of the Holy Spirit flow every time your servant stand around the world online and speak. Let people continuously be set free. Let Christ have a church that is being prepared to meet her Savior. That's our prayer. And I pray, Lord, all of us would prepare ourselves, Lord. Because your words say the bride made herself ready. And I pray, Lord, we will be ready, Lord. Let there be restoration in homes and in lives, O Lord. Reconciliation in homes with God and with one another, Lord. Let there be peace, Father. Peace, true peace that comes out of reconciliation and restoration, Lord. Not false peace. From genuine repentance and forsaking of sin and idols, Lord. The power of witchcraft be broken over the church, Lord. Let only the power of the Holy Spirit be there in your body, Lord. No other power, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you. We give you the glory. We give you the honor. We give you the power. We give you the praise. It's yours and yours alone, Lord. Thank you, Father. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, Rest and abide with each one of us. Amen, amen, and amen.